Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. All right, we are back beyond the ball. Coach Klump is here with me. I'm Coach Justin Gerstung. Thank you and shout out to all of you that have been listening. Keep listening. Coach Klump, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Very excited. Uh, bringing Matt on, good friend, of the, good friend of ours through PGC. Um, looking to connect with him once again. See how his lines are doing down in uh, Texas. There. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a really good conversation. I can tell. We were just talking off air about some news for New York State or lack thereof about our winter season starting, and so a little bit frustrated with just not knowing. What mm-hmm. is going to happen still as we approach about a month out from our start date, five weeks out from our start date. Normally, we would be starting in what, like two weeks? Yeah, like tomorrow would have been our last football game. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It just Everything just seems to be blending uh, in maybe the wrong way. I mean, we're here, but we're in school, but everything seems to be just a little bit choppy. So, and for me, it's a little frustrating, to be honest. Uh, I'm trying to do my best to stay positive, but... Yeah, control what you can control. Absolutely. There's just so many different variables and, you know, you see some sports playing. We've had this conversation. I don't want to get too deep into Hmm. it, but even just, um, you know, some schools can have athletes in the gym. Some schools can't have athletes in the gym. And I just think... The inequity of that is a little bit frustrating um, because you have so many coaches like you and myself that would love to get in the gym with their athletes, but every district is going to do what it needs to do. So controlling the controllables, I think, is an accurate statement. That's what we got to do. Absolutely. So uh, celebrations this week. Yeah, Coach. um, My celebrations, just from the conversations that we've had, on the last couple of weeks and through this pod, I just want to continue to celebrate those coaches who continue to daily serve us, others through social media in a positive way. You know, they're not worried about getting the likes, the retweets, the favorites. They're just out there taking an, you know, their own time out of their day to send messages, type up notes from their clinics and share their knowledge just so that we can, you know, serve each other and better the game. Like I think of our guest a couple of weeks ago, Seth, he posted his notes from a clinic for over 250 coaches um, on his mailing list. And, you know, not only Seth, but the rest of the coaches that are out doing it in a positive light. Uh, I just want to celebrate that for sure. 
Yeah, and I'm going to jump right on the back of that celebration. I was actually hoping to get into that conversation tonight with Matt over social media and how he uses it maybe as a platform to engage with other people. Um, it's definitely a blessing to have social media for those positive aspects. You hear so many things about the negative aspects of social media. Mm -hmm. um, it's nice to definitely celebrate the positives that are out there. It's like anything. Uh, too much of anything is not a good thing, you know? Yeah. And so I would assume social media for him is probably the same. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate Seth doing those notes. I see other coaches have also done some of that. That's the beauty about social media to yeah. me is as you expand – to serve others, it's just an amazing tool. Yeah, and the more you do connect with other coaches, there's just so many, um, you know, rabbit holes that you can go down to to connect with coaches you would have never even thought about, you know, getting insights from. And so, right. you know, we went out personally. You and I, yeah, most were of able our connections on the show. Yeah, absolutely, and just go out and maybe connect by going to a clinic at PGC mm -hmm. or going to like a Nike championship clinic and now social media has just like brought everything right to your right. doorstep. So it's kind of cool that way for sure. Um, we got to talk about the bills probably for a hot second. Any, any, any reaction? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. We're we just got to get it together. We do. We're recording this. As Belichick this. would say, we're moving on to New York. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We're recording this after the Kansas city loss probably closer than it felt like as we were watching it. But, yes, let's go Bill Belichick and just move on to the Amen. Jets. There we and go. we'll be done with it. All right. What do you got for a verse for us? All right. Enlighten so me. Matthew 5.16 hit me this week. Um says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. And it was kind of like piggybacking on what I wanted to celebrate um, and to kind of make a connection. I, too many people believe – that we get respect from flashing material items on like social media, Facebook, Instagram. And I was thinking like, how did we get here? How did we get to like in 2020 where that's how people believe um, that you get respect? But, you know, true respect comes from those that, uh, you know, just do it with daily kindness, love, honor, and dignity every day like Jesus did as, as a demonstration to us all. Yeah, I appreciate those words of encouragement. I think that's in our society, not only for our youth, but for our adults. I think that social media aspect that we were talking about earlier, for sure, um, is something that really causes, you know, a mental breakdown for some people. And, and when I say mental breakdown, I don't mean like they have literally a mental breakdown, but they get so worried and concerned about likes yeah you're still um, the same person at the end of the day yeah and and but it affects their mental state yeah, absolutely. to the point where it influences their decisions and i just um i know i get caught up in that too it's it's really hard not to if you're on social media at all so um yeah those are some words to stay grounded in um and try to just continue pushing forward and doing it to the glory of god and Amen. i think ultimately it will work itself out that's such strong and encouraging words, which I think is a perfect transition to our guest tonight. Do you want to give us a little bit of background? How yes, do you know super Matt? excited. Um, so I ran into Matt 
um, at a PGC clinic. I know that us three are, are all PGC disciples. And um, Matt wasn't the head director of this clinic, but I was. it was my first um, chance to be an observing coach at one of the PGC clinics. And for our listeners out there, if, you, if you're a coach and you haven't attended one of these PGC clinics as an observing coach, it's a, certainly a transformational, um, just an amazing way to really – expand your coaching and the way you think and the way you approach the game. So I met Matt at one in Massachusetts and I was able to work with him throughout the clinic as many of the observing coaches could work with some of the, the um, coaches of the PGC. And um, ever since we've just stayed connected. So just give a little background on coach Matt, coach Saban. He's the head coach at Grapevine Faith Christian just outside of Fort Worth and Dallas in Texas. And, uh, you know, Matt's teams are well known in the area for, and not only in the area, but in the nation for leading Texas and sometimes the nation in three-pointers made. He is a Baylor graduate and also an author of the book called The Leftovers. Um, It's described as basketball, betrayal, Baylor and beyond. A great read about personal loss, tragedy, perseverance while he was at Baylor. So I'm super excited to get him on and have a conversation about, you know, the game of basketball and life with him. Absolutely. I I want to definitely have the life conversation, but you piqued my interest with lead the nation or lead the state and three pointers attempted. Yes, sir. That's my kind of, that's my kind of guy. Shooters as Josh Allen, our guy here in Buffalo would say today, shooters got to (laughs) shoot. So let's get after it. Uh, Coach, we're going to pause for a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have coach Matt. Let's get after it. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball with Justin Gerstung and Eric Klump. Be sure to check out these other basketball shows on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. If you're an NBA fan, explore our team-focused NBA pods, Cavaliers Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Nuck If You Buck, Blazing the Path, and hashtag Lakers. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. All right, welcome back to Beyond the Ball with Coach Eric Klump. I'm Justin Gerson. We're joined on this episode by Coach Matt Saman from Grapevine Faith Christian School in Texas, I believe, Coach. Is that right? That's right. Great. Well, welcome, 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 and uh, thanks for coming on the pod with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, Coach, thanks for coming on. So now we've reached all the way to Guam. Now we're heading down to Texas with (laughs) Coach Saman. So, you know, beyond the ball, we're we're heading everywhere. So, Coach, before we we went live, you were telling us about how you were up our way for the, you know, a little bit, a couple years, just starting out up until, like, I think you said 12 years old. You were up in Pennsylvania and then headed down south to Texas. Yeah. What prompted that move? Yeah, I I actually lived in Pennsylvania, northeastern, until – uh, I was 14 and, and about two weeks before my freshman year in high school, uh, grew up in Berwick and, and, and lo- really loved the community there. Uh, it's, it's right near Wilkes-Barre and, um, uh, b- basketball wasn't, uh, big in that town. It was, a, it was a very much a football town, Berwick football. They had Berwick football water 
And, <laughs> and, and I just saw, you know, basketball was my thing since fourth grade and I was very goal oriented and I didn't really look at the game like my friends did. And, and I just looked around and I saw really good players that, you know, weren't going anywhere. And I had a friend that lived in, he was my first coach ever. He had lived in Berwick and he moved down to the colony, Texas. And I went down to see him that summer and I went to a basketball camp down here and I met a guy named Tommy Thomas. He was the head coach at the colony high school. And I was about five, five with a flat top and size 13 shoe, but very skilled. And I had these big goals and I told coach what they were. And he said, Matt, those things can happen for you down here. And, uh, and I, I flew back home and on the way home from the airport, I told my parents that I needed to move to Texas so I could be a division one basketball player. They asked my little sister if she would be cool with us moving. And she said yes, instantly. And so I started school at the colony about two weeks later. And uh, it's just a great example of uh, what I try to tell my players now is if you are serious about your dreams, I think the, your parents will do anything that they can to help you uh, to realize those dreams. Wow, Coach, that is uh, that is just – I have four children of my own, and I couldn't agree with you more. I'm just kind of speechless sitting here thinking about if that would ever take story. place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm all about doing anything I can for my children, but I don't know if moving to Texas would be <laughs> on my wife's uh, list of things to do. When you made that move, um, you know, what was the culture like on the team that you moved into? Were you like accepted um, immediately? Did you have to kind of, you know, figure out the landscape a little bit? How did that work out for you? Well, there's definitely a culture shock uh, coming from a little 3A town where you knew everybody. And, and then moving to the colony, which is in DFW, a 5A high school um, where, uh, you know, there's 600 kids per class and, oh, wow. and a lot of a lot of players. And so um, uh, what, what I found was, is that uh, as far as getting along with people and, and fitting in, I was a little bit uh, of an of an outsider and just not understanding the, even some of the lingo that that they use down here. Uh, but what I love is that I think skill skill kind of uh, trumps that. And so my game uh, instantly. So I was still small, but um, and, and to the other guys' credit, so there's three middle schools that go into the colony and. They all those kids knew each other and been playing against each other. And so they all kind of had their uh, idea of who would be this starter, who would be that, who. Would, and then here comes this kid from Pennsylvania that doesn't look like much, but man, he can hoop. And so I, I made my freshman A team, which was my first goal that I ever had when I was in fourth grade. And and and, and you know, I, I tell players now all the time is you can't get too comfortable in what you think uh, your surroundings are as far as going into next year, because at any point, some little dude from out of town can come. And if he's better, he'll, he'll take your time. And, uh, and, and so because I did that, I try to help with my other guys that may think, you know, I'm a junior going into my senior year. I know the landscape here. Uh, I can maybe relax. I was like, you, you know, you always have to have a little bit of that. You got to stay uncomfortable and you got to keep training. And, but, I did. I did. Uh, because of basketball, I was able to find a good group of friends and, and fit in pretty quick. 
So, coach, I've, if I could just follow up. So, Eric and I coach at a fairly sm- at fairly small districts. Um, any advice for how to keep players that maybe aren't pushed a little bit motivated? Because we see that all the time where the, our kids are very similar. They know the landscape. Very rarely do I have to make cuts on my team. You know, everybody kind of has their position figured out. And as a coach, actually living like in the district and knowing a lot of the families, it's very easy to slip into that. Well, you're the, this kid's the point guard and that kid's the shooting guard. And that's what they've always played and pushing them out of their comfort zone. Any advice for coaches on maybe how to do that or what you've experienced? Yeah, well, it's it is tough. Uh, and it's especially tough where I think I think I think players a lot of especially probably at our levels, they they just want to have fun. And and the moment that something doesn't feel fun, um, they they they'll look for something else. So first is I try to help them to find fun. What I would think is the right way. <laughs> you know, fun is competition. Fun is pushing yourself everything every single day and and trying to bring your best. And then also what I do is uh, I I like to keep um, the legacies of past players constantly in my current players' minds. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they're not just con- not, not just competing against them themselves and their teammates now, but they're also con- competing against players of the past and so and they have to walk by those things every day and 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 so when they see a leaderboard and I stop and I ask them hey where do you want to end up where do you think you'll end up Uh, those constant conversations I think drive them to continue especially if they don't have that carrot like the dudes that want to play in college Man, they're pretty easy to coach for me because one, I feel like I know what it takes to get there but they usually are pretty motivated unless they're delusional Right. You know, and and, and which that, that can happen too, but but uh, but I think it's that. Uh, so what I try to do is is make it fun by keeping things creative, by playing a style that people actually want to be a part of. Like it'd be hard for me to keep a kid involved that just flat out knows in our system he's not allowed to do this, this, or this. You know, like if if you have guys that don't aren't allowed to shoot, why would they ever work on their shot? And so it's a little bit to do with system, a little bit to do with competition. But that is, I think that is a struggle for everybody everywhere. Now, Coach, you mentioned dangling that carrot in front of the players. Now, just from listening to you, you said you had those those D1 aspirations all the way back from fourth grade. Um, and you mentioned the combination of fun. So at any time... In your career, you know, in your in your senior high career, did it ever stop being fun because you had you were so serious about your goals and aspirations? Definitely, uh, I I tell my guys I don't believe it. I don't believe in burnout. Like I think that's just a weak term. I think it's a cop out. Like it, everybody feels what you would call burnout, but it's not an excuse to stop. Like you actually, if you're able to, if you're mentally, physically able to push past burnout, I think that's really where you separate yourself. Because, I mean, if somebody like like myself or the, some some great players that I've had that are very focused, if they have days that they don't want to do the work, it's just not fun to get up and do the work that day. But they're able to push, like, but they can push past it. I mean, everybody's going to have those days. Um, and but I. 
I, you know, another thing too is uh, going back to parents. Um, obviously my parents were supportive and because they, they moved us here, <laughs> my, my For dream, sure. my dream kind of became their dream as well. And so they were very invested in it too. And the only reason that they would do that is because they saw that it wasn't, you know, I just didn't pick up basketball and put it down when the next sport came, when a new video game came out, I didn't, you know, it, it just mm -hmm. wasn't something that I did when I was convenient. And so because of that, they were very invested, but my mom took a big interest in the mental side of the game. Uh, she forced, not for, yeah, she forced me. She read me a, <laughs> she read me a mental toughness book in junior high, uh, okay. made, made me sit there and made me listen to it. She was in the military herself. And so, uh, she would wake me up on a Saturday as a junior, she'd come in, um, and about 7am on a Saturday, which I ask players all the time, what do you want to do 7am on a Saturday? They say, I want to sleep. And I said, well, I was the same way, but my mom would come in and she would say, Matt, uh, there's a kid in Chicago that's been working for, for two hours already. And when you meet him, he's going to beat you. And so I, when you grow up and you're, that's kind of the mentality in your house, pushing past, um, a burnout or that feeling of, oh, that monotony, you know, you, you, that just becomes pretty easy. And the funny thing is that happens in college too. Like I, I would just sit there and watch my teammates who had way more talent than me uh, take off and relax. And I just thought to myself, if I stay consistent, I'll be able to steal their time, you mm -hmm. know, while, while also being a great teammate. Yeah. So mom knew that <laughs> nothing really grew in the community of comfort, huh? That's right. It's a beautiful place where nothing grows. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so you're talking um, about all these aspirations. And so did you make it happen? Yeah, so I had three goals uh, as a fourth grader, and, and I had a coach kind of um, help me write those out because I see a lot of kids that have goals that are – like I talked to a fifth grader. He's like, what, what's your goal? I want to play in the NBA. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. What are the steps that it takes to get there? And so I had a coach that helped me actually when I was making my goals uh, do them in order and start small. So my freshman A team was, you know, was a big goal for me. And then I wanted to make varsity as a sophomore. And the fun thing is, is I knew my, my parents are, my dad's tall, you know, six, four, my mom's a good sized lady. And so even though I was short uh, and I had size 13 shoe, I was, we were all waiting for that growth spurt and it, it, it hit. I went into my sophomore year about six foot. Um, and I was able to train through the growing pain so that I was, it was never really awkward. And then, um, uh, uh, so I made varsity as a sophomore at the colony. There's a little bit of, I think, I think magic, or you, you could say magic or luck, or if you're a believer, um, oh, yeah. there's just things that line up the right way for you sometimes. And, and at the colony, my sophomore year, it was a down year. So I was able to step in as a sophomore where maybe in some of their better years, I didn't play that varsity that year. And then I, and then going into my senior year, I signed with Baylor to play division one basketball. So those three goals that I had since a fourth grader um, all happened exactly uh, that way, which also led to a little bit of this, um, uh, a danger of, of almost adopting a new personal philosophy, which is, um, if I want it and if I think I'm a good person, God will make it happen. And, and that was, uh, it got to be, it, it caught up with me, um, uh, after living a pretty charmed life up to that point, it caught up with me in college a little bit. 
Coach, so what about, and you made this happen and, and made your way to Baylor. Um, we have not talked to too many coaches that have played at that high level. What was that experience like coming from high school? I know we see a lot of kids in our area that play at a variety of levels. And we say all the time on here, any level of college basketball, you're dealing any with level. good players, right? Yep, yep. But when you, when you make that jump to Baylor, what was some of the things, like maybe the top two or three things that stuck out in your mind as being the biggest difference? Yeah, so uh, a, a few things. Um, I tell my players now that high school basketball – especially varsity basketball, it's the most fun you'll ever have in basketball. It's the most fun. It's the purest form. Um, and, and, and everybody's still becoming, you know, like coach K said, you know, every, the player, our players here are still becoming, they haven't arrived yet. Um, my senior year, I had three other division one seniors with me and then two sophomores that ended up playing in the NBA. And one was Darren Williams. And so I had, a, I had a really good, uh, we were 28-0 before we lost my senior year at all. And so it, it was just easy, man. Like, you know, my, my teammates and I would joke that we would call our shots before we came down and took them because it was just that we were at another level. And and so I came from that to, all right, now Big 12. A couple of things I realized from the very beginning is, one, how huge college players are. They're, like I'm 6'3", and I was one of the smaller ones. And when people would see me out and about and, and maybe recognize me, they would say, oh, I didn't realize you were that tall. You know, even as, like I tell my guys like that, that have aspirations to play in college, they're talking D1 and they're 5'10". You know, like guys, remember, like I, I was a small guard. You know, um, another thing is just the, the – so the height is the athleticism. Um and and I just really had to work on my body and maximizing the the everything that I had. And so I went to I went to college actually being able to bench more than I could squat because in high school my my coach who he, he was big in the weight room, but he said if you if you feel big you'll play big. And but we never really did anything lower body, so we did chest and tries and buys like that was our workouts. Now. To his credit, we did have the swollest looking team, but it didn't really translate. My, my, my college strength coach was so mad at me when I got there and he found out that I, I couldn't. So I really started to embrace um, Olympic lifts and, and squatting and working on kind of total body workouts. And, 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 and it, it was amazing that the, to me, the transformation. And, and then the third thing, and, and this kind of helped me all throughout my four years was I was amazed at the lack of consistency in college players. Like I really thought I was going to show up and there'd just be a bunch of machines that just never stopped in this. But I found out that the habits that, you know, I learned in high school, the good habits and the ability to to show up the same way every day. Um, that was huge, especially when even my fr my freshman year, I mean, I was just not the most talented freshman or on the team, but guys get in trouble. Guys have bad days. And when you're consistent, coach has to look somewhere. And I found my name being called quite a bit. And so my freshman year, I played every game and, uh, I, and, and some games, a, a ton of minutes where I just never dreamed, you know, uh, making that jump that, that that's kind of what I'd be able to do. Yeah, coach. So, um, thank you for sharing that. Cause those, those are some, 
definitely key notes that a lot of hopefully our listeners, if they're players, can can take home with them. So um, with your time at Baylor, and I'm trying to make these connections to like when your mom was really emphasizing the mental approach to basketball, the resiliency, the strength, the toughness. This really resonated, uh, you know, with your time at Baylor because you went through some pretty pretty tough stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. The uh, largest uh, basketball scandal tragedy of all time. You just you don't see that one coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coach, if you could, for our listeners, could you just give us like uh, like a one minute breakdown of what happened sure. there, and then maybe dive into how you handled that. Yeah, going in. Uh, I'll try it in a minute. Uh, go yeah, in, I go mean, in. My, yeah, no, take I longer. You. Take your time, just, coach. Let's hear. I didn't want to. I didn't want to put like a big burden on you to go into too yeah. much detail. But yeah, take as obviously take as much time as so you no, because the next, they got to read the book. That's for why. the next forty-five minutes. I'll take you guys on a journey. Okay. No, no. So uh, going into my senior year, um, up until that point, like my freshman year, we made NIT. And then we had, and that we had a couple, we had a couple great seniors that year. Uh, and then Coach Bliss, Dave Bliss, brought in. I was his first recruiting class. His second recruiting class had a couple future pros on it, but they were young, and so we were good, but we were kind of uh, on the cusp of becoming really good. My junior year, not we are knocking on the door. A few wins go our way, and we make, uh, we we make deep runs in the Big Twelve tournament, and maybe mm-hmm. even get to the. And say, but we we didn't it didn't happen. But going into my senior year, uh, we had seniors like me and a couple other guys that were steadfast and had been there. Those juniors that were future pros, and we had some new talent coming in. Uh, I was really in my dream scenario. That I mean, if you're talking for a fourth grader, what do you want your college senior year to look like? Like I was living it, right? Uh, right. Where I had become a starter at the end of my junior year. Um, and and loved my coach, loved everything we had, loved my university, and so uh, we're and we were picked in the top four in the Big Twelve, which means NCAA tournament because usually six to seven teams go. So all that's happening, and it was in June. Uh, I was I always stayed on campus to work with our strength coach during the summer, and I I had just gotten home from playing some sand volleyball. I get a call from a professor says you need to turn on the news. Uh, something's going on with your team. And I saw this story unfold in front of me that uh, one of my teammates had uh, coaching, uh, had, had uh, shot and killed another one of my teammates. Um, two guy, one guy that was two lockers away. The other was a couple, uh, just dudes that I'd been around. And uh, the coaching staff that I played almost 100 games for found out that they were doing a lot of things wrong. you know, And I didn't realize it, so I felt kind of foolish there. Uh, within the span of two months, I lost uh, 10 teammates um, and and my entire coaching staff was dismissed. So all of a sudden now I'm going into my senior year. Um, sanctions from Baylor have already prohibited us from playing in postseason. That's like you and I going to work and our pr- principal telling us, hey, you're going to come this whole year and do all the work, but we're not going to pay you. You know, like that's how I felt. Um, a new brand new coaching staff was Scott Drew, who was 32 years old oh, at wow. the time. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it, him and a new staff came and, and then I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm looking at the, uh, my team and there's only six or seven scholarship players and a lot of walk-ons and I wasn't a star. I was a great role player. And, uh, it was, it, it and that's kind of what I told you. I, I had, I had. At the for the first time in my life, um, 
basketball was the thing that was wrong. And I realized that this faith and this foundation that I thought I had, um, I didn't. And I ran and I ran to the party scene and I turned to things that really up until 21 years of my life I had never done before. It's amazing how quickly you can turn your back on 21 years of habits. Um, There is some really amazing things that happened that year. Uh, One of my greatest regrets is just that I wasn't a better leader um, right when all those things happened. Mm -hmm. Now, Coach, you wrote a book about this process, correct? Yeah, it it came out about eight years ago, The Leftovers, uh, Basketball, Betrayal, Baylor, and Beyond. I had to put those four other letters just so that people wouldn't think it was a cookbook um, Mm -hmm. or had to do with the apocalypse or anything. So, um, All that alliteration. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's all good. Yep. So So, go ahead, ahead, Coach. coach. No, you go go ahead, go. All right, so that – and now now we land um, as – on your feet here at Grapevine, eight years there now, right, Coach? That's right. Yeah, just finishing my eighth year. Okay, so or starting um, starting my eighth excellent. year. Excellent. Yep. So I met yep. Coach at a PGC clinic. How did you get linked up with PGC? Yeah, that that was such a great experience. Yeah, so, it was. Um, I mean, and I don't mean to, to to I don't mean to tell you my whole life story, but just kind of connecting some of these dots right here is so that like that senior year. Um, basketball did end up we did some amazing things and that's all in the book it's a really a great underdog story if you like that kind of thing but then but then the the when basketball became good all of a sudden uh, I, I thought that my bad habits would go away but they actually stayed and so basketball is good I played in Iceland my bad habits followed me there and were the reasons why I left early and then I really spent the next nine years uh, very angry uh, frustrated and 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 just feeling lost and even though i had started coaching at that time um uh man i don't remember what year but uh about two no no i do remember i do remember uh uh, it was uh 2012 um i had gotten an email uh just like a normal kind of a random coach's email you get from people either trying to sell you something or get you signed up for something but it was from point guard college and i was a a two-time grad in high school where and uh so i went to pgc uh in texas uh from with dick devenzio the founder before he died and i just i learned a lot of the habits that and when when i would when i got to work for pgc a lot of the habits that i i had in college i truly got from dick devenzio and that camp uh twice in high school and so being a PGC grad, I emailed the guys and I said, hey, I'm a grad. So glad to see. I hadn't heard of anything of them in years. It was really before social media was huge or anything. And and I just said, hey, I'm just so glad to hear from you guys and that you're doing well. And and they responded, oh, we're, we're so glad to hear from you because, you know, as a grad and do you want to come to our first ever snaps celebration? And I said, sure. So I, I got to go and it was kind of cool because I, I didn't consider myself, you know, really important at all being there. But apparently Dick DeVenzio, uh, before he died of cancer in 2001, he, his last blog that he had ever done was about, uh, my freshman year, we played Kansas who was number six in the country. And there was something interesting. The Kansas player did. He made a comment. It's only Baylor before we played them. And sure enough, our coach got a hold of that 
put made copies and plastered it all over the, oh, of the course, locker room. Board. Yeah. Yeah. And we ended up, they were ranked six. We beat them. We were up 25 in the first half. It was an ESPN game. It's still on a uh, ESPN classic, but nice. the whole point of the whole point of Dick, Dick's uh, Coach Devenzio's thing was don't give your opponents ammunition. And but then he also mentioned that I was playing in that game as a PGC grad. So like yeah. these guys kind of knew that, and so yeah. they're like, "You're that guy." Anyway, so <laughs> I, it was so cool to get to meet them. And then they talked to me about directing, and I was honored. And and, and it was kind of funny that that not that summer, but the next, um, I had been at Faith for one year at that point. That next summer, they sent me out to a a, a camp in Georgia, and I was just to, uh, supposed to observe two other directors go through things. And our very first meeting, they're like, okay, so Matt, which uh, module do you want to take? And I was like, uh, guys, I thought I was just – but sure, I'll do this one. And and then my first one – uh, so I get, I have to do this classroom session and I have to do film and I have to do the court and I've never yeah. seen one since 1999 right. Right. and, um, and, and Dick and Mono Watsa, the president just happened to come that day oh, and he course. wanted to sit in <laughs> on it. So, oh my goodness. Like I did so many things that are, you know, I learned later that coaches shouldn't like they really, PGC really helped me to become what I think, uh, talk to athletes the way that they should be talked to, help them in the decision-making process. But my very first session, there was a kid sleeping in the front row. I clapped my fist and I said, hey, wake him up. And, 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 and the kid popped up and the whole group straightened up. And later on at lunch, Mono said, hey, Matt, you know, in the future, there's maybe some ways that we can help that player help decide <laughs> to stay awake instead of yelling at him. <laughs> I can hear Mono saying yeah. that. Yeah. I can hey, literally hear his voice Matt, saying that. you did great, but what do you think about it? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. But uh, so I and then I so I got to direct for five years, five summers after that. Oh, um, I loved, I loved it. It is hard work to do mm-hmm. those five days. Um, and I loved every minute of it and I learned a ton, a ton from it. Yeah. Coach, I'm, I had never heard of PGC before, uh, Eric introduced me and said, you know, he took one of his athletes. Is that right, Eric? Originally yep. before you asked me and went and experienced it and came back. And of course we're, we're longtime friends, but also rivals. And he was just like, you got to go like there, like you need to go. I know how much you love basketball. This is, you can't turn this down. And as a coach who Eric and I both started when we were younger, um, I was just looking for something else, very kind of similar to you, like just a spark, something a little different as you go through, like, you know, the standard process of coaching year to year. And it was absolutely uh, has been transformational and not only just observing, I've now worked basket instructor. I've worked a couple of summers there as well with, you know, Sam Allen and a couple of the other guys, and they're just phenomenal people above and beyond any of the basketball stuff. It's I, uh, my kids all attend it. Um, it's just a, a phenomenal experience. So I love, I love hearing that story, how, they throw you in right away because I can imagine sitting oh. at that pre-camp meeting and all of a sudden just lo- like, all right, clap your hands. Here we go. Yeah, and you're, I, you're, you're I just I was not prepared. And, and I really what, it, what I think if a coach attends, what it does is it it throws all of your probably bad habits 
right in your face. Oh, yeah, yeah right, that's right exactly what it did. You. That's exactly what it did. Yeah, because absolutely. Even even filler questions that coaches are 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 guilty of, like, does that make sense? Do you understand? Got it? Understood? Right. Like right. mono, my very first court workout, I would say, got it? Get it? You know things like that. And and he asked me later on. He's like, are you really asking them? to give you a response or is that just a self self like validating comment sure, and sure. i was like oh my goodness i don't know yeah. <laughs> and i was like well what do you think he's like here here's a better way is to you need to ask them uh athletes what are your questions yeah he what says because when have, yeah. well not even no, he's like something about what are your questions the phrasing of that makes them think that they're supposed to have questions and that it's okay if they do Rather than if you ask them, do you have any questions, then you're going to have kids that are players that are terrified to be the one that has it. So the, it, it, it's just that, the phrasing and things like that. And then the ability, in my mind, uh, to run a really good practice. Like if you come to our practices, it's not going to be PGC content, but it's going to be run like a PGC session. So the way that I coach, our coaches coach Jim wide. Sometimes they bring them in, uh, the way that we transition from thing to thing. Uh, it's just, it is like you guys said, it's transformational. So coach, um, this, obviously you just said it has kind of, or in your PGC experience has kind of influenced your coaching at the current school that you're at, at Grapevine. How has life treated you there? What has been your highlight moments, um, from coaching at Grapevine? Oh, well, uh, you know, I got, so those nine years were tough. Um, and I, I can't even talk about faith without kind of bringing my wife up, which I hope that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, it was about, uh, it was about a week before my, um, actually, no, it was right after my, uh, 30th birthday. And I, I went to a ch random church that I, uh, never attended and I hadn't been going to church much at that point. Uh, I sat in the back. I heard a, I heard a speaker much like I grew up going to church. So, you know, I had this faith. I had probably had my parents' faith, right, that I just had since I was little. Um, they they gave me a, a, a card to fill out, and I'd seen thousands of those cards, passed them around. I never filled one out. And all I wrote was my name, my information, and I said, um, I, I'm angry, and I have questions. And I threw the card in, and I never thought I'd hear from them. Um, th and I was actually at McKinney high school at the time, uh, coach, I was a varsity assistant there. Um, and so about two weeks later, uh, a lady wrote back to me and, and she helped me get this interview or not interview, but a meeting with the pastor. And when I got there, I met her, she's super kind. And, uh, and I ended up, I gave, I, I told the pastor, um, all of my stuff and everything. And he basically told me that from that moment uh, in college, I took control of my happiness. I took control of, 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 of my life. And what I didn't realize is that I would end up losing so much control of my decisions, of my, of my peace and everything. Uh, I, I, it was, it was, it was happening to me because that's the direction I had put my life in. And, and so I had to give up control again. And that was a, that was an amazing moment, uh, changed my life. But then also, uh, that lady that helped me get that interview, I ended up marrying her. And so it's like, 
uh, uh, so many things go through our stories and it's just hard not to see God's hand throughout it. Um, so I met, I met Jana and, and within three days I knew that she was the one and I think God put her in my life to help me change. And so, uh, after that, uh, I, I ended up, uh, interviewing at faith that next year, uh, and, and got this job, my fir- first head coaching job. Uh, so we had been running and gunning at McKinney, uh, the last couple of years. And I really been, uh, I mean, I played, we ran flex in college. Like there's nothing more controlling over a player <laughs> That's right. than flex. And then, and then we had, we had tamper, you know, we had gone with some Bobby Knight, you know, emotion and, and, and I mean, all that read and react stuff. And, but we, we went eight and 21 one year, uh, but not being able to read or react. And we, and we, (laughs) man, we, we, uh, we scouted so hard. Like I knew everything. And, uh, and, and then after that miserable year, um, dribble drive motion was becoming big at Memphis and, and and there's a guy in Texas that's a pressing guru. So coach, my head coach wanted to press. I wanted to run and gun. And we seemed to have a small team that, but that skill that we could do it. Oh, I fell in love with that style of play. And we went 25 and 10. And so my last few years, we were just running and gunning. But I always felt like there was. Uh, I always felt like we were still holding on to too much control as coaches. And as a varsity assistant, you 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 can't. You can't completely take over. And so at Faith, my very first year, they had, we had averaged um, 50 points a game the year before. But they had had a, a winning season, um, but averaged 50. And I sat them down and I said, guys, uh, we're going to average over 70 points a game. Uh, we're going to shoot 30 to 43s a game. And we're going to press the entire time. And so with their eyes really big, I, I, and I was very nervous because I didn't know if it would actually work come and do a little private school. Um, but that year, those dudes really trusted me and I had, we had talent. Uh, we averaged 82, uh, made more threes than the, the school had ever had before. And, and it was just an incredible year. Um, and so from there, we were able to kind of build this kind of culture of running and gunning. Some things have changed over the years with how we guard, but offensively, uh, a free flowing system. Um, it's been really fun to, to see. So those first couple of years, were there a lot of closed doors meetings with your fours and fives? Well, here's the so even before the term positionless was mm-hmm. was big or used, we were kind of doing that. Um, the only place I, I would say is like a, a traditional post in four out one in dribble drive. I would hide them down you know, at that dunker spot. Yeah, at the receiver but, spot. But but if they if they actually were a player then, you know, I we I would pop them to the elbow and isolate and do some things. But I really told them from the very beginning, um, your job is to offensive rebound and, and to catch dumps and finish. And when you offensive rebound, instead of going back up with it, unless it's clean, I want you to kick it for a three. So so they they just had to buy into that and but but I also like that that was a really good spot for those dudes that were athletic, but not necessarily skilled. And so I, I liked having a a place for them. The way we're playing now, um, it's hard to it's hard to have those guys out there. We're also, I mean, we just we typically don't have a lot of height, and so I train everybody like they're a guard. Um, so we don't we don't and we don't even use 
point guard, shooting guard, uh, or numbers or anything. It's positionless. Coach, that sounds like an amazing way to play basketball. Like, I can't imagine a kid turning that option down. Um, yeah. What a so the the school previous to Faith was that a public school or a private? Yeah, school? I, I coached at two public schools. Um, my first year, varsity head coach in in a, a name in Forest, which is in Garland, which is uh, it's a, it's a it's a tough area. Uh, then McKinney is a five A. So you know, so I had uh, fifteen hundred boys to choose from to try to find five to ten that could run and gun. That was pretty simple. And at Faith, we have three hundred and thirty nine students. So getting, uh, you know, the hundred and whatever boys that are here trying to find some that um, are serious about it and will run and gun. But it's also helped me be a little bit more uh, it, it's helped me calm down because I, I just these kids that are here, they choose to be at faith one because of the Christian atmosphere, second, because of the academic standards and third, they might like basketball. So it's not a it's not really a, a athletic driven thing, which there are times where that's tough. But then also, you know, it helps me. It helps me as a coach because, you know, if we talked earlier about how kids want things to be fun, well, then I better create a system that now you can't take hard work out of it. Hard work's a non-negotiable, but it can be fun and skill work can be fun. And so like me continuing to grow and to learn to do to do skill work and train my players that's outside the box that I can tell them with certainty, you're not going to get this anywhere else, you know, like that that's fun. And then but then also to having having a bigger purpose and higher themes to your season. Um, I haven't always hit that mark. Like there's been years where um, like I've, I've tried to take control again and and I've. I feel that conflict with why I'm here and what I would love to see happen kind of a thing. Now, coach with your style and I, I like to, to use the phrase a 10 year old mentality. Like, like when you, when you play against a 10 year old or you have a 10 year old at camp, they just think that they're invincible. They can do anything. And it seems like that's what you're trying to promote at your school. Like, okay, with my guards, listen, I'm going to have the confidence in you to shoot the ball from anywhere. I'm going to live with the makes. I'm going to live with the misses, but I want you to know that I want you to shoot it. Man, I love that. I love the way you put it, the 10-year-old mentality. Uh, that's exactly right. My first my first year, we were playing a, a, big, a big public school. We were in their tournament, and they scheduled us for their first game in front of their student crowd. So I told my guys, I was like, do you know why we're in this game, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Because we're the only private school. We're the smallest school. And we came out and just smacked them, put up 90. And, and it was one of those games where uh, it did appear that all of our guys were, were, were making threes. And one time their coach, who's a friend of mine, turned at his bench and yelled, they can all shoot. And, and, and <laughs> so it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. We, uh, we want the opposition to think that each one of our players has a green light to shoot. Mm -hmm. But really, uh, in, in this organized chaos, uh, is there's a lot of control. Um, we, what we deal with every single day is – Shot selection, 
and role identification. Right. It is in every part of every shooting drill we do and every time we play. And I mean, I, and I am more than willing to go into that stuff with you guys. It, it's, it's really like, to me, it's the, I don't care what style you play. If you have conflict with your players on what shots they should be shooting, then you're going to struggle. And so we, I want my guys to have this. Uh, and when people watch us play, uh, if they could choose one thing besides how hard they play, um, I love for them to say that they shoot with this crazy confidence, mm-hmm. a confidence that's uncommon to see teams and players have. Um, and, and that, yeah, that, that's, kind of what every day is about. So I'm going to jump in there because usually I'm going to steal his. Go ahead. Uh, Well, Coach Klump usually always asks, right? Uh, Non-negotiables. So what are are yours? I I mean, you've kind of already said they play hard, shoot with crazy confidence, but have that conversation. Like when you're in a practice – Obviously, I would assume usually while well, you've been there for a while, but if I were to implement this tomorrow with my team, what would like your top three things be every practice that you would say I need to do to get my team ready to go? Yeah. So the first thing is I would teach them. Um, uh, so non-negotiables, you know, uh, Coach K said uh, he, he doesn't have a lot of rules. He doesn't have a lot of things. So he's never in a, in a corner. And I kind of like that, you know, we have three rules in our whole program that I think kind of take care of everything, but it's, you know, uh, always be on time, kind of John Wooden's rules, always be on yeah. time, always be neat and clean. And that has to do with how we show up and, and stuff at practice. And then it, it is in everything you do ask, is it good for the team? You know, within those three things, you kind of cover everything without having to actually, uh, be be uh, stuck with anything, and so you can be a little bit more. You can go with the flow. You can be like water, like Bruce Lee says, you know. Um, and and but then, uh, so the what? I, I, what a great question. First of all, I would tell you to do it, but uh, start to, <laughs> start tomorrow. But second, um, so your your entire f- uh, offensive philosophy has to flow together. So you can't have. Um, if you're talking shooting and, and, and so our goal shooting is the best shot as pass as uh, the best shot as fast as possible. I typically want it in less than 12 seconds. I'm convinced that you do not need um, multiple passes in a possession to create a great shot. Right. So, so if a guy now, but then right there, I, I've said a couple phrases that are vague and that'll get you in trouble. A great shot, a good shot. Let's take good shots. When you use vague terms like that, you will always have 16-year-olds that disagree in their head. You know, so uh, after we discuss what our goal is every possession to get the best shot as fast as possible, then we've got to talk about what does that mean. So, and and Eric, you remember if if I don't know if we did this at our camp, but it's PGC uh, shot selection. No such yeah. thing as there's no such thing as a ten. That's right. A, a nine is a wide open layup. An eight is a contested layup. A seven is a wide open jump shot. Seven is my favorite because it's within their range. Wide open jump shot within their range. And then a six down, we, a six is contested jump shot. We don't even, you know, fives, 50-50 shot. Fives and sixes, I tell them, if we watch film and we're getting fives and sixes, we're going to lose that game. And I also tell them. Defensively, that, that's what you want. 
Yeah, the number one reason why people lose games. It's not rebounding. It's not turnovers. Uh, it, it's none of the, you could say, what about effort and hustle? Well, no crap. Like you're going to lose every time if you're not playing hard, right. but all <laughs> the other stuff, uh, it's shot selection. One bad shot a game leads you to lose by eight or oh, sorry. One bad shot a quarter leads you to mo- lose by eight. And so we, we hammer this. So then guys, you, you get that nine nines. We love nines. Eights are great because you can get fouled using eight, you know, but then sevens, we got to, we got to discover what your seven is. So then practice becomes really fun because it's all shooting games that I like that. Cause the, the reason why people miss shots and games is they shoot too fast or sorry, they shoot too slow and they don't have pressure. So almost all of our games have those two things. They have to shoot fast in order to get it done in a certain amount of time. And there's a certain goal or, or, or that they're trying to get to. And so because of those two things, we quickly find out what their seven is. Now, once we have that, once every player knows what their seven is, and I, it takes time. And there's there's great drills that you probably already know. And then I have some favorites that to me – just really help. Once we have that established, we then get to teach our offensive strategy and how we flow. So I don't believe in uh, a secondary break. I don't believe in that. I think, I, I think a primary break flows right into our concepts offensively. And so we're constantly getting into the spaces where we need to be being dangerous. And then we're attacking paint. Once we, once we, are there it's really easy to talk about when a shot comes up i ask a player to rate that shot i'll stop practice i'll hey rate that shot sometimes he'll say it's a seven and i'll say well okay was he close to you with a hand up yes were you stressed a little bit did you shoot quicker than you normally like to shoot yeah i did okay that's a six what do we know about sixes Oh, sixes will get us beat. So right there, I've told the kid that that's a bad shot without demeaning him or telling him that that's a bad shot because shoot, shot selections, the most personal thing to kids instead of at the end of a, in, in, in a timeout, instead of saying, guys, quit taking bad shots, or if we could only take better shots, that's so vague and can mean different things. So I get to be crystal clear and say, listen, right now we're taking, taking five and sixes, fives and sixes. Let's hunt for sevens and nines or at the end of the game, hey, nines only, which means there's no jump shots, right? Like it's very clear. And I get to preserve their confidence. So instead of me saying, hey, that's a dumb shot to take, like you're killing us right now, which is what I feel. (laughs) Instead of that, I say, listen, that's you tell me what that is. And not in a mean way. That's a six. You know what? If it's a six, let's air them. Let's peek at the rim. Let's rip and go by. And either you get yourself a nine or you create a seven for your teammate. And then and then it even becomes more fun when if it's a seven and they turn out to be what I would call a green light shooter, a green light shooter for us gets to miss 10 threes and they take the 11th three. What it means without hesitation and what it means for me is as a coach, it releases me of worrying about making and missing shots. I can celebrate a possession even if we don't score and my team can start to value possessions where we get seven eights or nines 
and it's NATO. It's not, we're not attached to the outcome. Like once you get to that point, um, and, and, and you can get there in any system. I happen to like systems where it's free flowing and you get to teach them concepts, not you're a screener, pass and cut here, pass and then we're going to do this. I don't want to be patterned where we can be scouted easily. And then also, too, we want our players to make plays, not just run plays. So it's really common for us to score 70 or 80 points, and I didn't call a play the whole game. Mm-hmm. Coach, just some tremendous stuff, because last week we were just talking to Coach Brent Timpton, and he was – emphasizing the same points that you are in his in the break you know getting the ball up getting quick shots because you know usually transition defense is the most difficult thing to do in the game of basketball Hardest and they're thing. yep yeah and they're and they're open right away so why not take the open shot that's what you're trying to do at the end of the possession anyways yeah so you know why like that's the thing it's it's our fault as coaches mm-hmm. we we because we watched Hoosiers and we loved it because right. our college or high school coach declared that we had to do shoot a certain amount of shots. So one thing they'll never hear me say is slow it down. You know, we have that weird rule, two minutes or less, and it's a, you know, it's a, a, a eight points or less. Then we might go wide and make them come foul us. But up to that point, make or miss, uh, we're running and gunning. I will not stop you, right? But what what I had, what I think coaches have to get past is disconnect the time in the possession is that a shot that you would want them taking at any point if exactly. it is they take it regardless of so i i disagree with we miss three threes let's get a good one well were the threes all good were they all sevens from your best shooters if they are then crap keep taking them you know the all the i said this thing the other day and it and my guys looked at me and laughed, but it makes a lot of sense. Like if we're taking sevens, any miss that we have, it's almost a make. Like it's almost a make. We're almost there. It, 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 and it just, it's so much fun to play that way. Instead of when when parents are yelling to slow it down, yeah. I am screaming, let's speed it up, baby. Yeah, awesome. When they're saying we keep, we're shooting too much, I say let's shoot more. And let me ask you, like what kid wants to hear – you know what I'm saying, or but it's probably because they've always heard the other thing, and 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 it's not. I, I didn't play this way. Um, at first, it was a little bit hard, but it's it's when you see it, man. When you see lightning in a bottle, where I had a kid go two for eight in the first half of a game, uh, my first year, and two for eight in a district game from three. And, uh, but they were, he was missing wide open ones. Like we'd seen him make those. It's, you know, when you shoot this much and guys that you expect to make, when they start to miss, it can let you down a little. And, and, and I just, you know, we had our normal talks at halftime and he came out. It's the, one of the greatest, uh, examples of selective amnesia that I've ever seen. And I kid you not, he went eight for eight in the second half, finished with 40 points, but the way he was shooting, falling, like he was off balance. He cramped one, three, but it just was finding its way in. It doesn't. and, And it was like, I got to sit back and in a moment, just see, this is why we do. We play the way we play is for moments like this. And, 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 and if I'm screaming and putting pressure on every shot that they shoot, 
you don't get to see these. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not nights of famine. Like you live with that. But I think there's nights of famine in any system that you mm-hmm. play. Now, I've been following Coach's team ever since uh, we got to work together at PGC. And just until recently, now Coach is explaining his style of play. But what I was very surprised to learn was that in Texas, they don't have a shot clock. Oh, it's brutal. Brutal. Like The, the moment that we get one, we're really going to see pure basketball. Because right now, um, it's really messed with – like it's – it's why we've had to press in the past is for rate of play to f- almost to force them to play a little bit. If, if there was a 30 second, whatever shock, what do you, what is it? Do you guys have one? Yes. What yes. is it there? Uh, 30. 30. Yeah, 30. Oh, yeah, we don't, I love we, it. You, coach and I don't usually get to it. So yeah, I've pardoned yeah. us for our slow response. <laughs> well, that's okay. But it's like, I, what I would do is, is I wouldn't even press extreme. You know, like I wouldn't like Grinnell. I'm a huge Grinnell fan, a D3 school in Iowa that uh, they have their own system that is uh, it's the most extreme thing in, in basketball. And I love it. I'm just too terrified to, to truly go to it. <laughs> but um, but uh, uh, it, their style is if we don't get a steal in the first 12 seconds, let them score to get the ball back. I love that idea. I love it. I'm right on board with it. But I, I don't think I think I would get fired pretty quick. Because I don't think uh, you, you have to have. There's a level that players and parents have to understand. If they, if you lose that, where they it, they don't trust or under think that there's any plan at all, um, then you can't do it. And so, uh, but what I would do is a, a a soft two two one, take about eight to twelve seconds um, out, and then when they're dribbling back out to half court to run a play, I just jump in a really tight like two three or three two and and just force them to shoot over us. Like it'd be that'd be really fun because we would be able to uh because the worst thing that happens right now is people hold the ball and they and they sit at half court and they waste time. Yeah. Oh coach, I can't even imagine playing playing yeah, without a shot clock. We've we've never had to experience even going back to our playing days in the nineties, yeah, we we've we've had a shot clock. So good for you guys. I'm not something. jealous at all. I know. <laughs> well, I am jealous because I feel like I just want to sit on here and talk for like three more hours, but we're gonna wrap it up. Oh uh, okay. coach. We just we usually go for about an hour, coach, and you've given us so much. We would Been love great. to have you back on. Yes. Yeah. Anytime, because I, I feel like I, I apologize if I if I talk too much. You start getting me going with the shooting and playing fast, and uh, you know I didn't. I never saw anybody in the text say, "Hey, stop talking." So so that's yeah. good. But no, no I, I'd love to because you know um, it, it's just really fun, really fun to get to talk about the game with other coaches and share ideas. And so yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so coach, coach, before you go. Um, one of the presentations that you did while I was an observing coach really has resonated with me ever since, and you called it Jamodi. Can you yeah. explain your Jamodi system? Yeah, Jamodi means just a matter of doing it. And when I was uh, when I was in uh, middle school, I was at a camp and I I heard a coach yelling at us, guys, you just got to keep. We're doing a ball handling drill. He's just, you got to keep doing it. It's Jamodi. It's Jamodi. And I'm like, what is that word? And finally a kid asked him and he said, it's just a matter of doing it. And so that became my mantra 
Um, I, I named my work, my personal workout that I built and grew over the years. I named it Jamodi. And then it's just been something that, uh, that, uh, I've, I've stayed, I've, I've used and, and actually now at faith, um, it's become our culture here. And, and, you know, when there's some parts in life where it is just a matter of doing it, like, um, me losing belly fat, which would be great. It, is, it literally is just a matter of not putting not putting the apple pie in my mouth, and it's just a matter of getting to the gym and doing work. So there is part, but then you and you guys, you you and I know that life isn't that simple, and so I wanted to give my guys a roadmap to every day to their play lives as a player, and then also to um to the to, to adulthood. And so we, we took Jamodi and we just split it up into six words. And it's the first one's joy. And when you choose joy every day, it allows you to have the right attitude, which is the second one, you know, and, and a lot like in shape, right? Where a PGC term where it's spirit, it's kind of similar, but you know, attitude, it's, it's what we choose to think about something. And when I choose to think about things the right way, then it comes to M, which is motivation. I'm able to see everything in a way that motivates me. And if you don't want to be motivated, then nothing in the world is going to help you if you don't want to be motivated. Um, and then if you are, though, at least to O, which means everything that you encounter is opportunity. COVID was opportunity that a lot of people either used or squandered. A lot of players got better or others made excuses because they couldn't work out with their coach. Right. And then once you see opportunity, there's going to be tough days. You got to be determined, which is D. You got to be determined. Brick walls are there to see just how bad you really want something. And then ultimately, the I is we are here to be an impact for others. It's not about us. It has to be about things that are greater. And so it's really fun to challenge my guys in that way. Um, and, and, and so we use Jamodi all the time. Coach, that is the most tremendous it's way to fired. end. Oh, ah. my goodness. I couldn't write fast enough. I'm sorry. Or, I just, or type in. No, it's good. Yeah. I, we're recording it. I'm just going to listen back to it anyway, Coach. Hey, listen, thank you so much. Um, we're definitely going to get you back on here. Uh, depending on how our seasons go here yeah. in New York, we may or may not get to play oh, until the new year. Yeah, okay. so we'll see how that goes. Um, but we definitely want to stay in touch. And really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for the opportunity. It was fun. Awesome. Great right. catching up with you, Coach. Good All luck right, this too. year. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 